Welcome to season three of the podcast, A Brave Writer's Life in Brief. I'm Julie Bogart, your host. That's been a big transition, but it had to happen within me first. And I saw my children change because that transition happened inside my own heart. I was pulling from all these different curriculums and reading all these blogs and looking at all these posts and trying to implement those ideas rather than going, I know what I'm doing. I know these three children. You're listening to the Brave Writer Podcast. Today is episode six of season three. This season, we're talking to all different kinds of parents who have made brave shifts in their perspective in order to continue homeschooling effectively. Today's guest, Ashley White, and her family have made a brave decision to take their homeschool on the road. Similar to Christina Chelleby from an earlier episode, Ashley's family has taken their show on the road here in the United States. She's going to share with us what that experience was like and how it enriched their family and how it has emboldened them to go on a much bigger and braver adventure coming up in the next year. So let's get right to it, shall we? Join me in welcoming Ashley White to the Brave Writer Podcast. On today's episode, I get to interview Ashley White. Ashley White enjoyed her career as a first grade teacher, but when her children were born, her entire world changed, including her perspective on public education. With the full support of her husband, Jeremy, Ashley decided to focus her attention on homeschooling. The White family has since put a twist on traditional homeschooling by embarking on what they like to call road schooling. And yep, it's just like it sounds. They hop in their minivan and take their education on the road, visiting the places that intrigue them and incorporating their version of an enchanted education along the way. After listening to Ashley, you might have a sudden itch to pack up your own family and drive off to explore our big, beautiful country. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Hey, Julie, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, things couldn't be better. Life is great. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this podcast with us. You know, for listeners, I got to know Ashley because she volunteered to host the Brave Writer Conference in Austin that we're having in September of 2017. And boy, is this a can-do woman. I have never... (laughs) seen anyone mobilize the way Ashley does. She does it with such energy, enthusiasm, and vision. And so now I'm just dying to hear about how that personality shows up in this road schooling that you love to do with your family. So Uh Ashley, tell me a little bit first about your homeschool journey with your kids, what it looked like at the beginning, and then how you made this transition to this traveling education. Yeah, absolutely. So I have three wonderful boys um, and an amazing husband. I kind of say I have four boys all the time because I count him in the in the gig. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what we what we ended up doing is uh, we've always homeschooled. I, I I like to call myself as a tot schooler. Um, when my littlest guy was about two, uh, my in laws, believe it or not, both very heavy into the education system, just sat us down and said, hey, what do you think about homeschooling? And I was freaking out. (laughs) I didn't like the sound of it, but I was fresh off the public school educator boat myself. And um, from there, you know, they, they put that bug in my ear and I thought, what the hey, you know, our kids aren't going to preschool uh, personally because we couldn't afford it. And I had the background, I had the knowledge So I just started small and we incorporated small taught schooling type lessons. And then before you know it, the second one came. And then before you know it, the third one came. And and here we are. We're we're full-blown homeschooling. And uh, I I cannot imagine our life without it. Um, My husband either. He's, He's so thankful that we both chose this avenue to educate our family. 
Uh, that's fabulous. In fact, I love that you have a tot schooling <laughs> trial run. I often tell people that I homeschooled my five kids for 17 years. And I remember talking with uh, someone who said, well, when did those years start? And I've always counted from kindergarten. But literally, we never did school. We didn't do preschool. They never went to a traditional school as young children. And so it dawned on me that a lot of people count homeschooling from the time their kids were two and three years old. And it, oh, it, yeah. it showed the traditional school bias in my own calculation of how many years I had been at this thing. So I really love seeing that. I, I think it's really important for us to remember that actually homeschooling, if it's all you've done from the time your kids were little, doesn't feel that different from your actual life. It's not like there's this moment in time where it changes, right? Absolutely. Now, the, the 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 fallback on it is that your firstborn is your guinea pig. Truly. <laughs> Bless his heart. Um, I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I look back now and I'm like, you know, I look at the pictures and the videos that I took and I'm like, man, I had it. I did a great job. And, but, you know, we always focus on those things that should have happened or didn't happen the right way. And it's gotten us to where we are now. Um, So I can't imagine not having uh, that taught schooling experience because it grew me as a mom. It grew me as a a home educator. and, And it got me over the bridge of being a public school educator you know, to make that transition for my kiddos because it's a completely different ballgame in, in such a big way. Tell me one of the most challenging hurdles of that transition. Well, I think it was just getting away from doing school at home. You know, bless my kid's heart. I had the, we had calendar time. We had <laughs> sing-songy time. We, I just tried to emulate, emulate a school setting, public school setting, in my home. And, you know, my freedom from that came and I can remember the the weirdest thing. I can remember the year and I can remember, you know, February of three years ago, I just kind of broke out in this freedom of, you know, throwing all that stuff out the door and settling down into comfort. And you and Brave Rider has helped that happen to where we're not sitting at the table, we're in the bean bags, or we're on the hiking trail reading our chapter books, or in the minivan listening to a podcast. That's been a big transition, but it had to happen within me first. And I saw my children change because that transition happened inside my own heart. Um, And now, you know, it, we're just, we're one happy homeschooling family. Not every day, but most <laughs> of the time. No, that's that's beautiful. I, I absolutely understand what you mean about needing that transition to occur inside you first. Mm-hmm. Also, what would you say was the most difficult part of that transition? Did you find yourself nervous about how to assess your kids? Or did you notice any impediment to full-hearted transition to this lifestyle of learning as opposed to this lesson plan of learning. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think what it was for me is the kiddos, I, I was trying to, to say, okay, my Jackson should be doing what my first graders were doing. Uh, my Nixon should be doing what I saw kindergartners do. And so I had them boxed in and had them trying to fulfill these expectations that I had had professionally just from my past. And that's not a, that's not a big deal, but it was just, you know, coming to that realization that they are who they are and they love what they love. And so why not embrace that lifestyle and and learn and teach based off of what they are or who they are and what they love rather than what they could have been sitting in that chair in that classroom with that other teacher. It's interesting, isn't it? Because one of the things that I think the traditional education system is trying to account for is individuality and difference. And they find that a huge obstacle because they have to norm and they have outcome-based education requirements and they have 30 kids in a classroom. So it's interesting to me when I read traditional education blogs, 
where I see them trying to find ways to embrace and encourage that uniqueness in the child or the individual learner or differences in learning. And yet somehow when we're home, where all of that is available to us, we find ourselves wanting to find out, but is my child like a group? (laughs) Can I make this individual that is alone in my house, separated from the group, seem similar to the group I hear about? Do you you know what I mean? I do. I do. And it's, you know, you've, it's, everyone says, I don't want to compare my homeschool with other children in homeschool or other neighbors down the street that are public schooled. Um, But we just have to remember that we were given these children to educate them in the way that they were born to to be educated and uh, embrace that and move forward with that. Um, Because they're going to grow up to be some some awesome adults in this world when we can continue with that mission. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So tell me then how you went from the courageous step of traditional education at home to this more lifestyle of learning at home to then taking it on the road. I would imagine that was yet another hurdle that you had to sort of think through, address in your own imagination. Yeah, you know, it just, it, it, the weirdest thing, it just kind of naturally happened. We knew we had the flexibility with my husband's job as well with homeschooling to just kind of go on these vacations. And we found ourselves going for a week and then nobody wanted to come home. <laughs> and so, so then the next year or it, we did, you know, we had babies at the time and we kind of started this. Um, so we would go for weeks and then, you know, then we go, well, let's go for three weeks. And then no one would want to come home. So um, I think seeing that the kiddos enjoyed stretching and going and doing rather than having that home life. I mean, boys are adventurous. I think we all have that internal instinction to be adventurous. Uh, we just don't know how to how to move forward with it. You know, when when I was stuck in that rut of schooling at or I guess doing school at home, I was pulling from all these different curriculums and reading all these blogs and looking at all these posts and trying to implement those ideas rather than going, I know what I'm doing. I know these three children. Let's take the bare bones of that and work with that. And so I think that's kind of what led us to to the road schooling idea is, you know, you don't have to have 16 curriculum books. Just grab a few good ones like Brave Writer and and go with it. Um, you know, grab a chapter book and call that your your reading. You know, look up something cool on Wikipedia, print it off and and call that your science, your history and your reading. It's just it's just creating a curriculum for your own children and for you to make sure that it works for you and your family. That's beautiful. Uh, Tell me some of the places that you all have visited together. Oh, wow. The the list just keeps keeps getting bigger. You know, I'm very fortunate that my great-grandfather built a cabin on a private lake back in the 1940s. And I grew up there as a child. So this is, this is, this little cabin in the woods is kind of where it all started you know, we would just go up there in the summer times. So, of course, Colorado, the, you know, great-grandfather's cabin, that's one of our favorite places, I think, because it, it holds a special and dear place in my heart. Um, so we've been there. We just got back um, this past April on a road schooling trip through five states all the way to the Sunshine State of Florida. Um, my husband and I went there before we had kiddos. And so it was kind of like a nice little homecoming because we got to go and see and do um, and show the kiddos what we had done prior to them being in our family. So that was fun. Right now at this point, it's been Colorado all over the state of Texas, which you know is a giant state in itself. (laughs) Yes, you could just road school in Texas for a decade, I'm sure. You really could. And then, you know, heading down to Florida, and then we will see what happens uh, with going abroad. Yeah. So tell us about that, because I knew that's where you were headed. (laughs) Yeah. We're looking into um, a big shift for our family and our school. 
um, to head over to New Zealand. Uh, we've got some great opportunities with my husband's work because he truly is a, an amazing scientist. I'm not bragging or anything. That's wonderful. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're still sitting back. I'm not going to give any answers yet. Uh, we're sitting back and we're waiting and we're really processing this this move to make sure that it's what we want to do for our family. We, we like to tell the kids that we're collecting and analyzing our data. <laughs> <laughs> like a true science family. I yeah. love it. That's great. Right. right. So, so will you be uh, visiting, you know, the Lord of the Rings trail? I mean, of course, this is my first question. Like to me, that would be the ultimate homeschool field trip. Right. And why wouldn't we pull every book out and watch every movie and then go experience that? You know, my husband and I just got back from from checking things out. And man, oh man, uh, it's just going to be, uh, if it happens, it's going to be the absolute best experience for our whole family. I mean, my husband and I were both public schooled. So, you know, those four walls were our classroom. And then with what we've chosen to do with our family is the world is our classroom. And I cannot wait to see what happens. Hey, absolutely. In fact, what's so interesting about this season is that I'm interviewing you and also Christina Chalebi, whose family does what she calls world schooling, because they literally do travel to other parts of the world and take their homeschool on the road. Similar to you, they have learned to adapt. Uh, they, they don't live there for more than a month at a time. So they typically just immerse in that place and don't feel any obligation to continue their math studies or, you know, everything is very much oriented to what they're doing. That's what I wanted to ask you. When you're in these road school moments where it's, you know, three weeks, four weeks, I can imagine that you can just give full attention to that living in a new place experience. But if you're planning on doing something that's over an extended period, six months, a year, how do you imagine incorporating the routine part of your homeschool into that life? Have you thought about it? Have you experienced that yet? Yeah, you know, I've, I have experienced that. And I think I think what something that, that we all have to remember is that change is different for everyone. Yes. And it's really exciting for the first week or two. So let it be exciting. Don't pull out the books. Don't pull out anything besides using what's around you. And I've learned by default that uh, I, I get all excited because I plan all this cool stuff, and then we we you know we've got to stick to the schedule of. And <laughs> I've learned, especially with our last uh, road schooling trip to Florida, to just take a back seat and just let let it happen naturally, and not worry about getting to this next chapter or getting to this next you know problem on Khan Academy. You know, we only have those that certain amount of a t of time as a family to explore, and so just let it happen. And then by week three, I've kind of learned that we're settling in, and the kids are used to the rhythm and the structure of what we expect, even if we are in a hotel or a condo that we've been renting. Um, and so then by week three, we can start settling in and and kind of get used to to doing homeschool, but we're not going full force like we would at home. That that makes total sense. Do you find that when it's time to come home, there's a transition period between recovery from the fun of the trip and getting back into your typical routine? Absolutely. <laughs> and you have to remember that, you know, my husband and I just got back from New Zealand and um, we, I loved it because we were like, we were in the future and you were back here. Because my <laughs> kids think that uh, Back to the Future is one of our favorite movies. You know, so we were jet lagged and they had spent two glorious weeks at the grandparents' house. So everybody was off. And this week has been tough, but I've had to step back and sprinkle in learning whenever I can, but then also step back and be a mom and play. And, and and enjoy my kids before before we get back into that routine again. It'll probably take another week. And we've stayed home. I, I made a big mistake of going out in public two days after we were home. And good Lord, we, none of us were ready for that. 
That's so funny. All right. There's a story there. I want to hear it. <laughs> there's a story there. Well, you know, bless their hearts. We just, it, it was as simple as going swimming at another family's house um, in the afternoon. So we got a little bit of our copy work done that morning, had read a chapter, suited up. And and I, I, my kids had looked like I, they had just broke free out of a zoo just, you know, and maybe they have. I don't know the excitement. We have to remember those little bodies can hold so much excitement. And then that swim, I don't know if it was just me not being used to being around them while they're so excited. It was just not, it was not cool. Uh, the other mom probably saw completely past all of that. And it was just a good, a good reunion between good friends. But the, later on that day, we went to karate, which my kids are in martial arts, and they were in a classroom setting, and it was awful. Oh. <laughs> they were screaming. They were not following the master's commands. Uh, they looked like they looked like homeschoolers in a classroom, is what they looked like. But I gave them some grace, and we came home and we had a big discussion about it. <laughs> As all good moms do. (laughs) And we we have not left the house since. (laughs) (laughs) Letting everybody recalibrate back to the, Um, you know, zero, right? (laughs) Getting back to zero. You're listening to the Brave Writer Podcast. I'm Julie Bogart. I've written three books in a series called A Gracious Space. There's one for fall, winter, and spring. These books are daily readings, like 50 essays, you read one per day, and they're meant to help you sustain your homeschool commitment. In these books, I've included a lot of wisdom gleaned from the community, as well as my own personal experience as a home educator. Each day's reading includes a sustaining thought and a quote from a member of the community. We cover things related to parenting, education, and self-care routinely in these books. If you would like a print copy, go to amazon.com and look up A Gracious Space and my name, Julie Bogart, and they'll all come up. If you do purchase a book, I would invite you to leave me a review at Amazon. It's one of the ways that we get the word out to everybody else. Uh, If you'd like a digital Kindle version, then please go to bravewriter.com. You can go to our store at the top banner or go there directly, store.bravewriter.com and look in the Brave Writer Lifestyle Tools category and you will find Gracious Space. You can purchase any or all three. We'd be more than happy to have you join us in reading those. I've done a whole series of YouTube videos for the fall edition if you'd like to read along with me and hear me expand on the topics. Thanks. And now let's get back to the podcast. Uh, well, tell me about how you handled, in contrast, the close quarters of living together when you do travel. So you're not in a house. You can't each go to your own bedroom. You sort of like go to your own corner. How do you handle that constant togetherness where you don't really have friends or uh, another family to hang out with or someone to look after the kids while you go get, I don't know, uh, a haircut or something like that. Right. Well, you, you know that in the, I'll go within the car and then I'll expand out of that. So, okay. In the car, you know, you, you've got your minivan. Um, that's what we have. And we often rotate seats, which has worked really well for us. So oh. we'll put two kids in the back and one in the middle. So then that one can have a little bit of like solitude and the other two can be in the back, you know, finishing up some notebook work or listening to the podcast. And then if we pit stop and then we switch it up. And uh, even if that means my my youngest is three, so he's he's about to be four, taking that car seat out and physically putting it somewhere else, um, you know, that makes a big difference so that he he gets some time alone and then he also gets some time with the with the buddy in the back seat and that's worked out really well for us so from there i guess when we go and we're in places outside of our home like at the condo in florida 
You know, we do some serious research. I, I married a scientist for that reason, I guess. We research where what's around us and what activities we can do when things start to get a little hairy inside. Of course, we had the beach, but we also researched and rented a beautiful condo that had a public library literally right across the street. And I felt comfortable enough with letting my eight-year-old go over there and hang out. Uh, it was just an old retirement little uh, beach community in Florida. So, And then down the road from that was a playground um, and a baseball field. Nice. So we would go over there and we would watch Little League Baseball just to get that feel of having other kids around us. But I tell you what, the most beautiful picture was seeing all of the elderly, the retired type people that were at, at you know, that live permanently at this condo unit, just embrace my kids and the youth and watch them because we definitely enlightened their life That's um, nice. as much as they enlightened ours. Our neighbors became pretty good buddies with us. And, and would compliment my kiddos and watch us learn out on the dock. Um, it, it was just, it was a pretty sweet memory for sure. Oh, I love that. I, and your creative idea for handling the car is wonderful. In fact, just the fact that you would move a car seat, it just shows so much respect for a child's point of view. We don't always imagine what it's like. Uh, I had five kids and so we couldn't ever give anyone alone time, but we also rotated our kids in the van on our cross-country trip. And I also sometimes sat in the back and gave a child a turn in the front. Uh, my kids I had were a little bit older so they could do that. But it was always enlightening to me to go sit where they had sat. I found myself recognizing just how far away you feel in the back seat, how inadequate the windows are, uh, the fact that in front of you is just the back of a chair, not necessarily what feels like human contact. So, you know, the air conditioning doesn't reach you quite as easily. Of course, we had a very old van, but these are really important considerations to keep in mind for us. And sometimes experiencing what your kids are going through and imagining how to improve it for them really creates solidarity in the family. I just Love that you did that. Tell me a little bit about your children's uh, takeaways from some of these trips. Are there any special memories you have that really stand out to you? Yeah, I, I could go on and on and on about <laughs> memories. Yeah, I just, you know, our one of our favorite memories, I really think, was when we went to the Great Sand Dunes this last October. It'll be a year in October. And my husband is so good in the sense that he he pushes us. I, my family is very, uh, my side of the family is very chill and relaxed. And he he brings adventure to our family. And so he went and he hiked, him and my oldest, hiked High Dune, which is, I mean, it takes two hours hiking in the sand all the way up to the top. But then it takes you five minutes, literally, to slide down the sand once you've done it. Um, and so just, you know, those little sparks of, of, uh, of coolness that comes along from the road, the road schooling trips. I mean, we, we passed through Alabama on our way to Florida and saw the USS Alabama, which was a complete surprise. Wow. That was not in our research plans. And so you have three boys that are completely obsessed with anything giant and, um, can have guns on it. So, you know, it wasn't in our plans to stop there at that moment, but we made a promise to stop there on the way back. And so what any homeschool nerdy mom would do is I incorporated that into our reading while we were in Florida. So we learned all about that ship and all of the adventures that had gone on. So then we can go back and we can we can visit it and we can live it, relive it. Um, and I tell you what, it was a historical playground for all of us. We were exhausted by the time we got off that ship because you can climb up every wow. chute, down every ladder. Oh, my gosh. Um, you can get in the, the seats behind the guns. So pretend play was happening. It was just, it was unbelievable. That is such a great example of how putting yourself in the way of cool things gives them the opportunity to occur, you know? So it's because you were on the road that you even ran into this ship, which then 
I like to talk about Robert Frost's poem where he says, way leads on to way. This is a great example of a learning way leads on to way. You're driving literally on the way somewhere. You see this ship. You don't have time to stop, but you use it to launch a whole lesson, I guess, you know, would be one way to call it. And you do all this depth of research and experience so that when you go back, it's even more meaningful. What's interesting about those moments to me is that so often we don't give them credit as actually having been a part of our homeschool because we didn't plan them in advance. They sort of took us by surprise. And what I like to remind everyone is that they are actually prepared moments. You are on the alert when you are a home educator for those learning opportunities. And the fact that you seized it and found a way to deepen the experience is what homeschool is all about. So that, what a great example. I just love yeah, that. Thanks. I'm going to throw another one out there Good. For, for those that don't have the capability of their husband to, to work remotely. I have the best group of moms. Now it has found, it's taken us three years to find each other, but we have found each other. And so seven moms, 17 kiddos, six minivans. <laughs> we, yeah, we caravaned to, um, it was, it was only two hours away, but we caravaned to a, a, a place called Johnson City, Texas. We rented an, an Airbnb house that one of the moms had found for us. Believe it or not, it slept all of us. Kids Wonderful. were camped out. Oh, how fun. Yeah, yeah but you just, you know, um, if you can't road school with your family, then road school with some friends. Uh, you know, just set off on those adventures because that's what your kiddos are going to remember 20 years from now was laying in the floor of that Airbnb house telling you know, scary stories while the mom sat outside and talked homeschool. Well, what I love about today, and, you know, I homeschooled before the internet was even available. So it's a totally different reality. What I love about today is that technology, communications, transportation are so much more readily available. I mean, just even things like Uber and Airbnb have absolutely transformed what we can do it gives us access and mobility in ways that we couldn't even have dreamed of in the 80s and 90s. And then the ability to do research on the internet, on the fly, on your phone. So really, in a sense, there's there's no excuse today to not find some of these adventures, even local adventures. Uh, I'll share with you something that we did. My family moved to Ohio from California in 1999 and we literally knew nothing about Ohio when we moved there. We didn't know one bit of history. We didn't know one bit of topography. We didn't know anything about it. So we bought a book uh, that was for tourists who were visiting Ohio. And we made a commitment to do one of the tourist activities every month during our first year. Yes. Well, here's what's crazy. My kids had grown up in LA and it only occurred to us to do tourist things the month before we moved to Ohio. So that's what made us really realize if we're going to live somewhere, let's take advantage of getting to know our city and our state. And I'm telling you, those are some of my best memories of field trips and travel with our kids. One of the times we even rented a hotel room in our city. <laughs> it was literally five it. miles from home, but we decided we wanted the weekend to feel special. So we stayed at a Holiday Inn. The kids could swim in a pool. We went on the Abolition Trail in Southern Ohio and saw. we got to go on a, a boat and experience locks and keys. We saw the lookout point where they flashed lanterns for people to make the, um, you know, the escape across the Ohio River during the abolition movement. Uh, we drove through Kentucky. And then the second day we went to the Renaissance Fair. That felt every bit as much like road schooling as what you're describing. And literally we were staying in a hotel five miles from our house. <laughs> so I just want to encourage people that you don't necessarily have to start by leaving your state or flying on an airplane. You can create an adventure and a sense of exploration even in your own city or even in your own state. And you feel comfortable doing that. I think some people feel uh, like, well, I cannot world school. I cannot road school. But you can totally do what you just mentioned. You can book a book a hotel room and have fun with that for sure. Absolutely. Did you have any uh, pushback from family who, for instance, 
they don't want you to go to New Zealand for a year or they're getting tired of you leaving town all the time. I mean, is there any extended family that is not supportive and how did you deal with that? Or are they all enthusiasts? Well, I think it's, uh, they're, they're all enthusiasts because they know, they know that this is exciting and they know that this has um, definitely been laid out in our journey as a family. And so well, I had to talk my dad into it. He's he's not thrilled about the idea, but I was like, well, you can you can stop in Hawaii and play golf, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to try to try to sweeten the deal. Yeah, and then you know, they're my in laws, which bless their heart, they're the one that fired up this whole idea. They're having the hardest time with it, and I'm having the hardest time, you know, leaving them because they truly are. There's we've got a great family and we've got great support. And a lot of homeschool families don't have that. So we just simply ask them, you know, put yourselves in our shoes. And then of course they fire back, well, put yourselves in our shoes. <laughs> you know, that sim- sympathetic uh, grandparent plea to not leave. But then, you know, it makes me come back to what you had said. Technology ha- is going to make this uh, this experience so much easier for our family because we can FaceTime, we can Skype, we can blog, and our family can, even though they're over here, can still see what's going on over there. 100%. As someone who lived in Morocco with new babies mm. and <laughs> no internet, <laughs> I'm no like, piece of cake. Oh yeah, no internet at all. Phone calls were, you know, 20 bucks for three minutes. We didn't have a phone, so you had to go to the post office to make a phone call. Letters took two weeks to arrive. Uh, all of, you know, it, it, it was... It was absolutely cutting off the access. My father, I remember, bought us a video camera, a camcorder, uh, to take with us so we would send home videotapes. And the customs on the video camera cost more than the camera. So it was like $1,200 in customs fees. And then when we were sending video, they didn't always make it. So then I stopped wanting to send the videos because I didn't want to lose the videos, right? So... You know, the fact that you can share your living abroad experiences through Skype, through Snapchat, through a blog, through FaceTime is the revolution. And then on top of it, encourage family to visit. I know how important that is if people, you know, have the health and the finances to do it. Uh, It gives your kids a boost also to have them come see you there. It's wonderful. Right. We kind of look at, you know, it's not just an experience for the family that lives in in this house, the five of us, but it extends out to the amazing friends that we've met in our homeschooling community here in Austin. And then it expands out to my niece and nephew that are, you know, publicly schooled, getting to see what that place looks like. So it it just gets bigger and better, you know. It's just beautiful. Well, I just find all of your choices to be admirable and inspiring. What tips would you give families who are sort of curious and interested, but nervous? Like, how can you help them over that, you know, that little line of of anxiety? what, What encouragement or tips might you give them? Well, I think it's like what you had mentioned with your your hotel trip, you know, start small, Mm. don't go for the gusto, you know, just, and that's what we did, especially if you have those little babies. My husband's so good at saying, hold on, (laughs) they're only one, three, and six. We have the rest of this time with them. Let's hold off on that. Nice. You know, so realize you do have time. Now that time's going to go fast. So, so get going, but it starts small. Um, and then expand from there. So maybe go down the street, like you had mentioned, to a hotel. Um, and then maybe your next move, go three hours away with a couple of friends and see how it works. And then go for a week. That's what happened to us. Go for three weeks, go for a month, go nice. for a couple of years, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of came up with this acronym. If uh, just taken R for road, uh, in road is... R is the research. Research the heck out of your trip. Um, O is to optimize. Optimize your curriculum. Optimize your clothing because no mama wants to go do laundry on this trip. Adapt. When things get a little hairy, 
you know, just just adapt because your kids need to learn to adapt also. And then D is just don't over plan. Mm. Don't over plan curriculum. Don't over plan experiences. Just let it be. And then that's that that's where I found comfort in it. You know, those those four little little tidbits. That's a phenomenal acronym. We're going to put that in the show notes for sure to remind people. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by the optimization piece. Can you tell us a little more about optimizing curriculum and clothing? I know I can hear coming back to me through the airwaves. Moms want to know more about that. Moms want to know how to optimize. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So when you optimize your curriculum, I, I've learned, I used to bring this big old bag full of notebooks and all kinds of stuff. But once again, the internet can help optimize that. Uh, if if I were you um, and you don't have um, the fancy Wi-Fi in your car that costs, you know, however much in those <laughs> new cars, we don't roll that kind of ride. So we just purchased a a Wi-Fi subscription for to have a hotspot on our phones for the month that we're gone. So then you can look up Wikipedia, you know, documents. You can research what's down the road. You can use Google Maps. Uh, you can download your podcast as you're cruising down the interstate. And then throw in a, a couple of chapter books. Throw in some good games. We had it, we we got a great game that was bingo for the United States. And instead of using the bingo markers that would completely fall into the floor in the cracks of the car, <laughs> we, use, we use stickers. So smart. Yeah, so optimize in that way. And then our big rule, and I'm gonna scare every mother when I say this, is three of everything, three pairs of underwear, three shorts, three shirts, and a swimsuit. Perfect. You know what? If if they look a little sloppy, it'd be okay. And I don't stress out too much about about laundry because I, I take that as another experience. Well, we're gonna look up where laundry mat is and we're gonna go do some reading while our laundry gets done and, and give your kids an experience of not having the convenience of being at home and make it learning experiences. That's brilliant. And I agree with you about three of everything. I Remember, I spent an entire summer traveling in North Africa with three shirts, three skirts, and two pairs of shoes, and that was it. And I, it was the I, I carried it all in the size of a backpack that you would use for typical school, not like a big traveling backpack, but like a book bag. Uh, and I was with a team of people, and everyone by the end of the trip wished they had packed like me because it was such a liberating experience. And in fact, hand washing was also easy because I had so few clothes. I, you know, it was very easy to keep them washed and dried. I think your idea for optimizing on the curriculum is also really valuable to remember the power of that phone. I mean, it is such a tool and resource and literally everything you could ever want to learn lives in your pocket now. So carrying a bunch of books with you is not nearly as important as loading up on a monthly Audible subscription, right? Being able to listen to books or having your Kindle as an active tool for each child. I think that would be really valuable as well. Right. And what, kind of uh, a rule that's happened on our road, road school is 20 minutes of learning, 20 minutes of listening is usually audio, uh, audio book um, or a podcast, and then 20 minutes of play. And so there's your hour, your hour down the road when you do 20, 20 and 20. And, and then before you know it, you're there. Wow. Give me an example of what the 20 minutes of learning is when you're driving. I, I had a kid who was very uh, car sick, so he couldn't look down at things. Uh, so I, I know for him, it was definitely listening is what he could do in a car. But what what does the learning piece look like? We played a lot of oral games. That's what we yes. did. Yes. And uh, passing notes. Okay. Okay. Or, or you can get a spiral notebook. And one kid can draw something. And my, my kiddos are little. Um, so we do more illustrating rather than writing. But, you know, uh, just add to the picture. So a kid would draw a bicycle and then you pass that notebook. And the next kid would draw a monkey on the bicycle. Oh, and then you pass it up front and the three-year-old can scribble some grass, you know. <laughs> and so by the, by the end of this rotation, you have a hilarious 
picture and then you can create a story and an audible story as the family, you know, talks about the picture. That's what we've done. We've done, I've created a travel notebook for each kiddo. We've done the license plate game, which was a huge hit. And we, but we also found that you can take that license plate game down to the hotel garage and find many more license plates (laughs) going down the road. That's great. When we drive, we would play a lot of games that I think would qualify for your 20 minutes of learning. So let me share a couple of the ones we did because we're such language people. So we play all different versions of the alphabet game where we would say, okay, we're going to, every person in the car has to use every letter in the alphabet. So we would say something like countries of the world, the letter A, and then everyone would try and name one country named with that letter. Uh, And of course, it's challenging when you have seven. So sometimes, you know, if we got three or four in, we would move to the next letter. But the idea was to try and use the alphabet to pull on information that we all know and we were pooling our resources. So we might do countries or capitals of the United States or capitals of the world. We would do things like adjectives or verbs. Uh, We did things like favorite musical artists or uh, names of movies or television shows. You know, it wasn't always highly academic. It was drawing on our capacity, right? Uh, We did sports stars. We did all kinds of alphabet sequences. We also looked for the alphabet on road signs and you had to do that silently. And then when you get to Z, whoever gets their first wins. Uh, And if you found a letter on a sign and you claimed it out loud, no one else could use it. So that was especially important at letter Q, letter X, you know, things like that. So those were those were two main games. But one of my favorites that my um, my kid's dad started He liked to tell in very brief sentences the plot summary of a movie without saying the names of the characters, without hinting at what the movie actually was. So could you reduce a movie to its essentials and have people still guess what it was? So he might say something like, star-crossed love, backyard play, spaghetti dinner. And by the end, we're like, oh, Lady in the Tramp. Lady in the Tramp, yeah, right? Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, I love and that. so it was sort of like a little bit like Jeopardy, you know, where you're just getting these brief clues, but they're forcing you to think about this movie in a new way. So we did a ton of those. And our kids knew they were getting grown up when they got good at them. Oh, I bet. So sometimes <laughs> just those kinds of games where you're really engaging the thinking, but it's still playful. Right. You know, and just talking through this all sparked some more ideas. My my son has a, my eight-year-old has a great trivia book, you know, that's super thick. And I think it's the Wrigley's Believe It or Not book. So that, that he feels so important, of course, who doesn't that gets to <laughs> be in charge of the game, you know, and he would just simply read us the question. And I believe this, this specific book was an ABC, you know, guessing order. Yeah. So then he would give us that and then we would all shout out what we thought. And then he would read the answer and why it was the answer. Perfect. And then he would, uh, cutest thing, make medals for everyone on the scratch paper. And so you got first place, you got second place. So yeah, just that, just, you know, talking to your kiddos can go such a long way. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Well. This has just been a complete blast, Ashley. Thank you so much for sharing your road school lifestyle with us. I can already imagine parents are thinking to themselves, well, we've got to get in on this action. And I'm so excited to hear where everybody decides to go, you know? Right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we go, have you done any camping? Has that been a part of your schooling at all? Or has it always been more hotel uh, condo based? You know, we have, I just can't really say that it was a road schooling experience. We we did some camping here in Austin, but it was more of just, I mean, I guess it was learning in its it sense, is. right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't need to overlook that. <laughs> no, um, I just wanted to throw that in there because I know that can be 
really fun for families as well. Uh, <laughs> my biggest memory that was positive was in the Anza Borrego Desert, which we absolutely oh loved. God. And then my biggest negative memory was up in Big Bear and uh, we got infested by mosquitoes and I had a toddler who threw herself oh. at the fire. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> After that, we became hotel people. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. and I think you have to remember that if when you have those little babies, don't oh. add that stress to you. Oh. You know, we just got out of those diapers and the yeah. napping and all that fun, lovely stuff that happens at that stage. But you know, our wings are only going to spread even wider because of the age that our kids are becoming. Absolutely. You know, but it it does, I, I, could, I forgot to add this. When we went to the Great Sand Dunes, we pulled my in-laws camper mm. up there. So that's luxurious camping, right? Very. Oh my gosh. That's the way to go. That's perfect. Yeah. 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 So we just, uh, we pulled the camper there and then we pulled it to Hooper, Colorado, which was a geothermal swimming pool. Unbelievable place. Wow. Um, and then from there, uh, my in-laws actually met us there and they drove the camper back to Texas and we headed up to the cabin. That's just perfect. Wow. What an experience. Oh, love it. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today and for inspiring so many people to get out of their houses and go see the world. That's right. It's, it's, it's out there. Go get it. Awesome. Have a fabulous trip to New Zealand and maybe we can talk with you while you're there and hear about some of your experiences firsthand. That sounds like a plan, Julie. Thank you. Thank you. Who boy. Ashley paints quite a picture, doesn't she, of a brave new life. I love that she began her road schooling adventure here locally in the United States. I remember when my kids were young, we were not quite as moneyed or free as some of you homeschoolers are today. And so we realized that we needed to get out of the house and have an adventure. We lucked out because a friend of ours gave us a room at a Holiday Inn, literally five miles from our home. We decided to go away for the weekend. We ate the breakfast and swam in the pool. We hiked in a local state park and we spent the day at the Renaissance Fair. That short weekend away, within miles of our home, felt like a huge adventure. So even if you can't give up two weeks and travel across the country, think about ways you can build adventure into the life of your family, even local to the city you're currently in. Thanks for tuning in and joining us every week on the podcast. Some of you may be new to Brave Rider, and I just want to say welcome. Brave Rider exists to support your family in the writing adventure and in homeschooling. If you're new to our writing programs, you can go to the homepage, bravewriter.com, and download our seven-day writing blitz. It's a free guide, and every single day has a writing adventure designed to help you explode the myths around writing and to invite your children into written self-expression. I hope you'll download it. It's our free gift to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you again next week on the podcast. Live honestly, write bravely. I'm Julie Bogart from Brave Writer. <laughs>